Invesco QQQ believes new innovations create new opportunities. Here's to greater possibilities together. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate, teach, context. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me, at Jim Kramer. Did we just get our battle of midway? The first big win against the Japanese in World War II. Was today the turning point? Dow surging 1,352 points. S&P jumping 6.24%. NASDAQ gaining 5.60%. In spite of the most hideous jobless claims number in history. This was the best three-day run since 1931. So far, COVID-19 has run the table against us. We were not prepared, and this virus has had us on our heels the whole way, attacking the very basis of our civilization. I'm talking about life, liberty, and especially the pursuit of happiness, which in this case means the right to carouse, hang, watch March Madness, grab a beer, even go see Cirque du Soleil in Vegas. At least until today. At least until today. Where because of an insanely bullish last few minutes of trading, we saw astonishing eye-popping returns for large caps. Boeing led the market again. It's more than doubled off its lows. And we've seen big runs in all things tech. We even got a rally in the hated financials. It wasn't coordinated. Like our initial attempts to hold the line in World War II, we were overwhelmed by a better prepared enemy virus. COVID's hitting us with a pincer attack. It's killing people directly. And it's also wrecking the economy. But just like the lucky, gritty win at Midway, Google it or watch the movie, even the terrible remake, I am beginning to think that we can hold off one of these pincers and maybe even beat the other. Now, it all started with a terrific bipartisan $2 trillion rescue bill that Secretary Mnuchin put together. It passed last night by the Senate. This thing isn't perfect, but man, has Congress learned from the errors of 2008. Back then, everybody in Washington consistently underestimated the scale of the problem. It was infuriating. And then when they did step up and pass a bailout, they only bailed out the financials and the auto industry and the fat cats. Congress was afraid of spending too much money. They erred on the side of going small. This time, our leaders went big as big as I've ever seen. And they're not just saving business this time. They're lending a hand to everybody, especially workers who've been laid off through no fault of their own. Even independent gig economy workers. I'm so glad about that. I've been pushing for that. They're going to be eligible for unemployment insurance. 1099. It's not normally the case. Maybe it takes a pandemic that's threatening to kill millions to bring everyone together and really take care of the 85% of the workforce that happens to work at small and medium-sized businesses. But it wasn't just the Senate passing the stimulus bill by acclamation last night. This morning, Jerome Powell, our current Fed chief, he came on the Today Show, did something reminiscent of when Ben Bernanke went on 60 Minutes in March of 2009 after the whole banking system had imploded. Powell basically said, enough, enough is enough. Whatever's necessary. Got all the bullets you need. We're going to unfreeze all these levered assets that masters of the universe and Wall Street tell us are cold as ice. He didn't even scold anyone, even though I probably would have. He's not trying to punish people. He's trying to save the economy. It's working. 
You know how I know it worked? Because even though we had the most atrocious weekly unemployment figure, 3.3 million souls not reporting for duty because there's no duty to report to, the market didn't blink. In fact, the pre-market looked terrible. Of course, the pajama traders banging stocks lower, like the chowderheads I used to call them before I became Jimmy Chill. But we got a whoosh up, again, led by Boeing, which got good news from the stimulus bill. I want to be clear, Boeing wasn't bailed out. It looks to me that they got money that will let them keep paying their workers. That's what we want. The same as the airlines. It's less a bailout, more using the aviation industry as a gigantic jobs program. Sure, the Nasdaq got a boost from Micron, surprisingly strong quarter, more than that later. Great pin action boosted nearly the whole tech sector. But it was the dive-bombing policy response that really turned the tide. I expect the bill to pass the House tomorrow, which should put the checks in the mail by mid-April. I wish it were sooner, but what can you do? This package gives small businesses a lifeline, a form of business interruption insurance like the secretary promised us that will let companies keep paying their workers with the government footing the bill in the form of generous loans that you can walk away from. You just have to keep your workers on the payroll. Take the pledge, bosses. I have. The big dogs, though, the large corporations are coalescing around Mark Benioff's pledge to keep workers on staff even if there's nothing for them to do. Kind of the exact opposite of the way things normally work in this country. And I salute him and those who've taken the pledge. But as I've told you over and over again, the real problem is the pandemic. And you know what? For the first time, first time this whole way, I saw green shoots there, too. And I think that's part of the rally. The battle against COVID is an ugly one, where only the toughest of suppression measures seem to work. The total lockdown in San Francisco is having the desired effect, flattening the curve, saving who knows how many lives. On the other hand, the more haphazard approach to New York, simply, New York City simply wasn't enough. And now our brave doctors and nurses are going through N95 masks like tissue paper. Help them if you can. With the disease spreading through the rest of the country, I really hope mayors take their cue from San Francisco and not New York, which has been a travesty that will never be forgotten. Now, as usual, a bunch of wise guys came up to me on Twitter and email saying, don't trust the rally. It's time to go short. Of course, that was already 800 Dow points ago. Good luck. I think we need to proceed with caution here. It's always possible to retest Monday's lows. But that said, it's never good to short an oversold market. And this thing still remains oversold. But what do I mean then? Be a little cautious. Okay, say you bought a Boeing at 90 bucks off that great Goldman Sachs upgrade the other day when everyone thought it was going under. Well, it's up. It's at 180. Don't be a pig. Come on. Take something off the table. However, I want to be more constructive. I know there's going to be bad news on both the health front and the economy front, but at least we're finally fighting back. And I think people underestimate the possibility that something good can happen because we got a lot of geniuses on our side. Our pharmaceutical industries conducting a bunch of clinical trials right now. And while they might seem like spaghetti thrown at a wall, some of them could stick. Now, I think Regeneron, which we had on the show last week, has something real promising. A monoclonal antibody that can beat back the coronavirus and perhaps even act as a vaccine. I know, sounds like a fairy tale, right? Too good to be true. But you could have said the same thing about them when they, they uh, figured out Ebola and it turned out to be a borderline miracle. We had Regeneron on, like I said, and there was real optimism there. And it wasn't always. Even a month and a half ago, I was trying to get Len Schleifer to make me feel optimistic. Now he is optimistic. Look, I'm not saying we won the war against this scourge. After Midway, the U.S. still took a ton of losses. There were days you wouldn't want to bet on America back then, too, as my dad would constantly remind me. Pop made nine hot landings in the Pacific with the six, and none of them were easy, especially as he was a sergeant in charge of other people's lives. One day, though, instead of seeing Japanese zeros in the sky, he saw B-29s. Another day, you'd be ready for Operation Downfall, preparing to invade Japan. First wave with the six, going on to Honshu, knowing that you had and were going to die for your country, but you understood. The next day, you heard about some new weapon, some sort of crazy bomb that nobody survives from. And then, next thing you know, 
Japanese surrender, you find yourself stationed in Imperial City, Kyoto. The idea that we might win the war decisively seemed fanciful in 1942. The idea that we'll beat COVID seems fanciful now, just like it must have felt for Pop when he's about to invade Japan. But the bottom line, in the last 24 hours, we got something that we haven't felt in a long time. It's called hope. And while there's still no joy, at least we know that a victory could be possible, as the stock market showed us with the third day of this astounding rally from the depths of the abyss. Scott and Georgia Scott. Hey, Jim, a good, friendly Georgia boo y'all to you. I can take that. Hey, Signet, uh, the woman who runs Sing is from Georgia. I like her. She did a good job. <laughs> I'm calling today about Schlumberger. They're in a throwdown with Icon. They're down 80%. They got uh, unsustainable dividend. Buy, sell, or hold. All right. Well, my travel trust blew it out. And I talk about a lot of the win. We've had some big wins. Schlumberger, I blew it. I never thought that oil would go this low. They say they're committed to dividend, but it's 12%. And that says red, 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 red flag. What a great company. What can you do? Oil. Let's hope it's not. Hey, great thing. Things stop at zero. No, I don't think it's going to zero. But they better make a deal soon. We finally have hope of stemming the economic impact of this virus. It came in the form of an unprecedented $2 trillion relief bill that buoyed markets right when we had the worst job number ever. Oh, man, money tonight. The coronavirus has put plenty on pause. But I'm going to tell you something that the virus can't stop. Then with COVID-19 testing on the rise, could a swab shortage pose a new problem? I'm talking to the head of one of the company manufacturing essential products. See how it's keeping up with demand. And boy, is there a lot of demand. And looking for a stock to consider if the COVID-19 caused sell-off? I'm going to sit down with the CEO of a great cloud company, Viva Systems, to see if it's still worth buying. Stay optimistic and stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, or Fire TV and start watching now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. The most bullish story today had nothing to do with the stimulus package and everything to do with the cloud. We know there's weakness everywhere. Ford Motors credit rating just dropped junk. Macy's can't. It's dividend. Cheesecake Factory's not paying rent for April. Oil can't get out of its own way. Much of the economy remains on hiatus. But then last night, the sun came out in the form of Micron, MU, a huge chipmaker that reported a very strong quarter when Wall Street was expecting a weak one. Sure, there was the usual worry about cell phones, a little weakness in the Internet of Things related to autos. Buried within that gloom, though, is something I just got to quote because you've got to read these consoles. I always tell you that. The CEO, Sanjay Marotra, said this. It was incredible. And I quote, in China, lower consumer demand was offset by stronger data center demand due to gaming, e-commerce and remote work activity. Then he went on to say, quote, looking into the third quarter as these trends also shape 
take shape worldwide. Data center demand in all regions looks strong and is leading to supply shortages. Nice. On top of that, Sanjay tells us we are seeing a recent increase in demand for notebooks used in commercial and educational segments to support work from home and virtual learning initiatives. And then we get the coup de grace. We are also encouraged to see manufacturers in China increasingly returning to full production. And we have recently started to see China's smartphone manufacturing volumes recover. Holy cow. I mean, we got to take advantage. This is some of the best pin action I've seen this entire year. Let's unpack Mike Cron's conference call. When Sanjay says the data center's on fire because everyone's going online to cope through the, the coronavirus lockdown, of course, going home, building, building their office at home, that means great things for NVIDIA and AMD. And I still think even if the runs, you can buy them, especially because they also make graphics chips used in gaming, which was just mentioned. Uh, they also uh, they make the notebook chips, too. I mean, AMD is a notebook chip supplier, maybe the best one. What else? Even though Facebook's ad revenue is taking a hit, we know that from the other day, it, this confirms that usage is going way up. As Mark Zuckerberg explained to me this very morning, it's only going to get better as Facebook helps back, helps back stay at home businesses. It's kind of like they're going to be the place you go if you're quarantined and start a business. Alphabet's YouTube business must be strong. Same goes for all of Amazon, including Amazon Web Services, where one there was a note out today saying business is slower. I don't believe that. Don't forget Alibaba. The Chinese e-commerce platform, it's the only Chinese stock I like. Maybe the purest play, Microsoft, with its Azure cloud business, not to mention the software that runs most of these new laptops. I get a better feel for, uh, for Intel from the positive notebook comments. We already know that Western Digital, WDC, one of Micron's competitors, still well in flash memory. Why not? We had the CEO on last night. And then there's 5G, where I'm liking Marvell Technology and Qualcomm, two very cheap stocks, especially the former because it reported a huge upside surprise that was overlooked because of, yes, COVID-19. Skyworks can be bought here. We heard great things from CEO Liam Griffin the other night about 5G. Oh, and check out Broadcom. Okay, check this one out. It used to be the uh, AVGO is still the symbol. It's a company that supposedly reported a not-so-hot quarter. But its stock has now rallied substantially from where it was trading before those results. We bought this one at Marvell for the Travel Trust, which you can follow by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. They're making a big run here. If all of these semiconductor companies are actually thriving, then they'll need to boost capacity to keep up with this newfound demand. And that means placing orders with LAM Research and Applied Materials. You probably saw those rock today. What else? As these stay-at-home businesses thrive, that's like throwing gasoline on the fire that is cloud computing. Adobe, ServiceNow, Salesforce.com, they're all going to work here. They are, there are so many implications from the rise of the stay-at-home economy. You need new layers of cybersecurity, so you got to think CrowdStrike or Zscaler. I mean, all this stuff is coming together. You need DocuSign to execute contracts. You need overnight shipping from UPS and FedEx. It's a huge paradigm shift. It's not going to go back that quickly. You need Zoom's video. It's not that hard to use. Cisco's WebEx, more enterprise. And I think early innings. Not only do these companies transcend the pandemic, I'd argue that they ultimately end up benefiting from it. They will be the go-to stocks as we work our way through this horrible nightmare. John in New Jersey. John. Jim, what about the bullion, Jim? Yeah, how, how about this Gilead Sciences? It was an orphan drug or something like that? Do you well, know it does have a remdesivir. Um, I'm not sure about it. Uh, you know, I'm not sure about how well, look, if it was really doing well, I think we would have heard something. But they're very good scientists. It's just not my favorite. There's a lot of other stocks that are down a lot more. All right, the coronavirus can't hold back the momentum of the cloud. 
I expect the stay-at-home portion of the cloud now to make them even stronger. It's a trend that's in its infancy, and from what I can tell, it's already taken over because you can't go to the office. Much more mad money. U.S. virus testing is facing a new headwind, lab supply shortage. I'm talking to a private player who's making millions of the swabs that we need, Puritan Medical, American-made. Then, as I mentioned, cloud continues to save the day. So how is a company like Viva holding up despite the market's uncertainty? That's another cloud-based play. I've got the CEO. And with news that the stimulus bill will delay student loan payments for six months. What's up, everybody? I'm Graham Bunn. So excited to introduce you to Country Shine, where we're talking all things country music. That's right. And I'm Cameron Irwin, co-host and resident country girl at Tinseltown, here to welcome you to the family. Every Tuesday, we'll update you on the latest in country music, culture, and community. And on Fridays, I'll bring on country musicians and all the biggest names in the game. It's a gathering, and we want you here. You can listen to Country Shine with me, Graham Bunn, for free right here on Spotify. I'm asking SoFi how it could impact business. And are those pesky millennials selling or buying stocks? I'm going to tell you. Stay with Kramer. I cannot stress this enough. If we're going to beat this virus, and we will, we need more medical supplies, a lot more. Consider them like ammunition in World War II. We hear a lot about the need for ventilators and personal protective equipment, PPE, in New York. Governor Cuomo is practically begging FEMA for the former, while frontline healthcare workers are making gowns and masks out of garbage bags. That's not all. We also need lots of little things, like the vials that are used in diagnostic tests, like the cotton swabs that are being shoved up people's noses at drive through testing sites. Unfortunately, you can't can't just use Q-tips. We need specialized cotton swabs that are long enough to reach the upper part of the throat. And as it turns out, there are only a couple of American companies in America that can actually make these swabs at scale. One of them is a company called Puritan Medical Group. It's a privately held company. It's producing as many as a million swabs per week. And they're currently in talks with the Department of Health and Human Services to possibly make millions more. These medical supply chains are huge. So let's take a closer look with Timothy Template. He's Puritan's Med- Puritan Medical's Executive Vice President of Global Sales. we got to get a better understanding of what the heck's happening here. Mr. Template, welcome to Mad Money. And thank you very much, Jim. All right. Uh, you're the first person who has come on. I watch every show and is able, I hope, to explain how supply chain issues make it so I can't turn to Timothy Template and say, I need five million swabs and I need them yesterday. Explain. Uh, the issue that the supply chain has is that all of most of the government uh, in laboratories are all purchased through distribution and the distribution channels order the swabs from Puritan. And then we ship them on to the distribution centers, and then they elect to, to decide where the product goes from there. It is not a direct ship to the necessary labs that are, ne- are needed for, to do the testing. So is that like a, a Cardinal or a McKesson? Yes, Cardinal, McKesson, Thermal Fisher, uh, VWR. Those, are, those would be your typical dis- distributors, yes. Uh, how uh, quickly... Uh, can you ramp up new lines? I mean, this is something that you've got a good, steady business, and then suddenly out of nowhere, uh, you're supposed to make far more than you can. Can you explain to people why you can't just add $3 million tomorrow to be made? Well, Puritan has done a great job adding a different ad- additional swabs, and the reason for that is, is that now the government has freed up a different styles of swabs to be used for the testing. In the beginning, all the swabs that were originally used were nasopharyngeal swabs, which were a flocked fiber swab. That is, the swab does go back in the back of the nasal cavity to, to pick up the sample. But now today, the, the government has 
released different types of swabs for nasal collection, which now has released a lot more millions of swabs into the marketplace. Well, is that going to hurt Puritan? Uh, no, because Puritan is, is part of the production of all the different swabs that we make for that for the COVID-19. Um, a lot of uh, companies that are similar to yours left this country. They went to China. Uh, what, what's happening to them now? I don't need to, I don't want you to single anybody out, but I think you know exactly what I mean. Oh, absolutely. You know, we're an American manufacturer. We've been in business for 100 years, family owned, um, and we make the best swab there is in the market. And uh, we're known for that. We, we supply a lot of the swabs to the point of care rapid diagnostic companies that use the swabs for flu and RSV. So um, we, we play a very big, uh, big role in that that whole world of swabs for a specimen collection. Uh, do you uh, feel that you, because of just, you're, I'm sure you're working 24-7, or do you think that you're a bottleneck to the testing, or are you guys just full out and, and producing what the country needs? I don't believe that we're a bottleneck to the testing. I believe that the way the, the inventory is shared throughout the country becomes a bottleneck. I believe that there, there's a lot of swabs used in different tests that maybe not are not collecting for the COVID-19. They're collecting for other purposes, which... They consume a lot of swabs. Today, the government has freed up a lot of different swabs for the testing, which is now opening up somewhat of the floodgates to supply swabs that are necessary for the test. I deal with a lot of companies that are uh, on the firing line on this issue right now, producing as much as they can. And uh, a lot of them had already made commitments, uh, commitments to China, commitments to Italy, commitments to Spain. What happens? uh, I guess, again, this is up to McKesson and to uh, Cardinal. uh, But I I presume that that you are agnostic about where it goes. You're giving it to the distributor, but it might not be going to the United States. I think now, though, Jim, I think a lot of it is going to the United States. We do a lot of business overseas, and we've supplied them for years in different parts of the country and the world, actually. And today, you know, some of those sales now have been curtailed, and we're keeping the product in the United States for the United States people. Okay. Now, if I went to uh, your factory in Maine, would I see uh, three shifts uh, at just nonstop? You'd see two shifts a day, 10 hours a day. Um, and now we are at seven days a week. We do need a few hours a day to maintain our machines and keep the place to keep our place fit clean. Um, so we do we do reserve the four hours a day to do that. Is there another? Uh, can you make an addition? Can you add new space? Can you put more people to work? Yes, in uh, in four months' time, we could we could double our production of flock swabs. We would have to build the machines. All the machines are built here in Guilford, Maine, and all we need to do is have some acknowledgement that. That investment would be uh, would be paid back in a short period of time, and we would be busy making the machines to produce the product. Are you optimistic that uh, one day we will in this country, anybody who wants to get a test because they don't feel well, will be able to get it? I believe so, yes. Really? Because, you know, there are a lot of people who are discouraged thinking that it's a little bit haphazard right now. I, be- well, I believe it's haphazard because the, the supply chain is not very consistent and not providing all the swabs to the communities that need them because there is some restriction on where the swabs go and, and the transport media that is somewhat dictated by the large reference labs who do purchase through certain distributors. Wow. Okay. You've really enlightened me. You know, I, I think, first of all, a lot of people just said, well, listen, it's a darn Q-tip. This is a specialized piece, right? Where do you get the cotton? Where do you get, where do you source all your stuff to make it? All of our raw materials are that come from the United States, with the exception of the raw material for the flock fiber, 
It is not a cotton swab, Jim. It is a flock swab. And that flocking is a very special patented process that we do here in Maine. And we control the raw material and we, cre- and we send the material out to have it processed to, to create the flock material. And we have today we have over a three year supply of the material itself. Wow. Well, you know, I got to tell you, this is fascinating. You're the first person who has really kind of indicated it's just not a switch. You can't it's, a, it's you can't flick a switch and suddenly everybody in the country has the, enough swabs that are specialized and are not cotton. I mean, I, I thought that they were. They're not. No, they're not cotton. Today, the, the, the major swab today is a flocked swab. It is a foam swab and it is a spun polyester swab. And the foam and the spun polyester swabs have just been uh, uh, approved by the FDA to be used for, for nasal collection, not the nasal pharyngeal collection. So the, so the government is loosening up the, the, the area in which the specimen is taken, okay. plus the material the swab is made out of. It has to be a synthetic material. Wow. It cannot be cotton. Wow. Okay, look, you just explained. I've been it's been bugging me. I, I now I understand as this is so much about this thing. It's nuanced. It's not black and white. And you have really, sir, helped to explain it to America. And I really thank you because I know you are doing everything you can to get as many of these out. Thank you. Yes, for what I you're am. Doing. Yeah. And, I, and I will say that I appreciate every day the 350 employees that come and work all day long for us. And they're very proud to be an American company and be part of this supply chain to help the United States and the world. I want to thank you so much. So that's Timothy Templin. He's the executive vice president of global sales at Puritan Medical Products. I hope you learn like I do, because these are things that I know are disturbing Americans. And maybe it's wrong to be disturbed because some people are giving it all they got. Bad Money's back into the break. Now that people are no longer panicked, at least for the moment, it's worth circling back to some of the stocks that really didn't deserve to get hammered in the big market-wide meltdown. Stocks like Viva Systems, that's the cloud-based software company that serves the life sciences industry. These guys help drug companies capture clinical uh, trial data and follow regulations while also making their salespeople more effective. In short, Viva is exactly the kind of company that should be fine here. If anything, the pandemic might actually be good for business. Yet, even after the bounce this week, the stock's still down 12% from its recent highs last month. I think that's wrong. Viva reported a phenomenal quarter three weeks ago. It became only the fifth software as a service company to join the $1 billion revenue club. And that's when we were talking about the sales forces and the work days. Nobody cared because we were too focused on COVID-19. I like the stock and I like a lot more into another bout of weakness. Don't take it from me, though. Let's hear from Peter Gastner. He's the founder and CEO of Viva Systems to get a better sense of where his company is headed. Mr. Gastner, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Tim. Great to be here virtually. Yeah, well, Peter, I've got to tell you, you know, you still at times don't get the benefit of the doubt, despite the fact that your stock is up 424 percent over the past five years. So I have found that every dip, including the one that happened last week, has one that has worked. And that is because I think you're indispensable. So what I was hoping you would do without naming names, unless you can, uh, let's say I'm a drug company and I want to beat COVID-19. But I have to do these real trials. I can't just have some professor in France say something good about me. I contact Viva. What does Viva do for me? Well, Jim, you know, we, we serve the life sciences industry. That, those are people making medicines. And there's, I'm really proud of the industry right now. You know, if you look at COVID-19, our customers, they're, they're working on testing, new types of tests, quicker tests. They're working on treatments for COVID-19. And they're working on vaccinations the whole gamut. So what they're focused on is 
sort of the commercial side, go to market. They have to talk with healthcare providers so that the patients can get the right medicines. And they also have to run clinical trials so they develop new medicines. Both of those, the commercial side and the clinical trials involve going to visit the doctors and the researchers. That's disrupted right now, you know, because just like you and I, they're not traveling for their work now. So we're enabling them to do that virtually, both on the commercial side to teach the doctors and um, working with the research hospitals to get new medicines approved. So it's a really exciting and busy time for Viva and our industry. And you're also offering a product that seems to be a great gateway to what you do that normally you would charge, I presumably, a pretty good fee for, but uh, you just want to be open for business to show everybody you are. That's right. We're offering, on the commercial side, we're offering a product to uh, for the pharmaceutical sales reps to connect remotely with the doctors in a compliant way. It's called Viva Engage, and it's based on Zoom. We're offering that free to the whole industry uh, until September. So we've had more than 100,000 licenses provisioned, and the the usage of that product is up 10x in just two weeks. Wow. So that, the ramp of the thing, um, it's just been incredible to me. The energy of the life sciences industry, there's never been a better time, you know, because, Jim, when, when things are tough and and which they are now, we got to admit they're tough. You know, there's people being affected at the ground level, their health of their family, themselves, income of themselves or somebody they know. But when things get tough, you want to get going and you want to get busy and you want to get productive. That's what my father always said. Hey, if things are tough, get busy, be productive, do well, something about it. I think your father's and, right. Now, you have a number industry. of products these days. We used yeah. to, when we talked to you, Billy, really it was just the vault. Now, there's a piece that came out by Deutsche Bank which said solid beat, but vault is slowing. And that's in part because you actually said when you gave guidance that it was a little bit slower. But there were so many other things happening. I thought that maybe you could just explain why that is no longer the fulcrum of whether you should buy Viva or not. Oh, yeah. We have so many products now, Jim. Um, So the scale of Viva has changed. In in 2015, we put out our goal to be a billion-dollar company by 2020. Well, we met that goal last year, a year and a half ahead of schedule. We reset our goals, our five-year goals, to be a $3 billion company in 2025. So we have a broad set of of products, really happy with our our vault product. And more than ever, I'm happy on what we're really doing for the industry to help move it forward. Now, the industry itself uh, is as countercyclical as it has ever been, right? I mean, it's got money. Uh, They're trying to invent new products. They need to do as many trials as they can. It's very, very expensive. And uh, I don't see any slowdown occurring. Well, there'll there'll be temporary disruption. So, for example, new new clinical trials will be put on hold for a bit. So that'll cause a bit of disruption. But overall, yes, it's not a particularly cyclical industry because, you know, people... People need their medicine in good times and bad. So that's that's one of the good things about the industry. Well, but, you know, that's a good point. I mean, I'm running a trial with a doctor and we had to we have to postpone it because the hospital uh, literally is on lockdown. And, and of course, everything's devoted to covid. So would you think investors will understand that you, you, that there's just this for, natural, horrible force that's making it so that, that everybody is a little disrupted? Well, I think investors overall will understand that. Um, I think the savvy investor will know that in times of stress like these, great companies, great leadership teams, and great industries, they use it as a time to innovate. 
right? There's that saying, necessity is the mother of innovation. Right. So I, I feel that um, it's a time of disruption, but a time of innovation. Now, when I go into your website, they've got a you've got a Glaxo video, but you have a terrific thing about Bristol Myers and how you how you work with Dr. Caforio, who's doing so many great things. Maybe you can give some of our viewers just a quick insight of what is uh, uh, of what is being said there, because I thought it really clarifies what Viva does when you address Bristol. Well, with Bristol Myers, we, we have a number of things going on with Bristol Myers, all the way from, you know, they're. First of all, they did a merger, right? A big merger with Celgene. We helped them to do that in a very expeditious way so they can get on and be efficient and take care of patients. And then with Bristol-Myers, we we worked with them from the quality and manufacturing to the clinical trials, all all the way out to the doctor's office. So uh, we do a tremendous amount of things with BMS. Great company. And then finally, uh, the acquisition uh, fits in pretty well so far? Oh, absolutely. So happy with that. And we announced a new product today based on that, a big new product, the Viva Data Cloud. Crossix, they're in your area, Jim. They're in uh, New York City. Uh, People that are focused on data science and big data around patient data. And that's a tremendous area because, you know, in precision medicine, you have to get to know the patients and the patient population so that you can bring the medicine to the right people. And that's just a huge amount of data, and I know you can handle it. Peter Gaster, founder and CEO of Viva, which has been an amazing company. Thank you so much for coming on the show, sir. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. Take a look at the stock. Take a look at the chart. Every time it got hit, and there's some analysts who decided it's not growing like it used to, it's been the right time to buy, including this one. May have money's back after the break. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dead. Over the lightning round, please run over with David in California. David. What's going on with Blackberry? Absolutely nothing. And that's why I think you ought to take that money if there's anything left and buy Marvell Tech because 5G is king. Let's go to Sean in New Jersey. Sean. Jim, hope you're doing very well. Doing my best. Missing my wife. How about you? I'm good. Uh, you once said intuitive surgical was the Da Vinci of stock. How do we like I think now? intuitive surgical is a winner. Now, we know that a lot of spending is being interrupted for hospitals because of COVID. But that is a crackerjack good company, and I love the product. Let's go. But don't use it, but I would represent a hospital that did it to raise money. Let's go to Jim in Massachusetts. Jim. Yes, Jim, thanks for taking the call. Please of course. comment on Pfizer. And- Pfizer finally came alive with pleasure. It's been one of my Dow stocks that I like, along with Burke, which also moved a lot. Let's go to Chris in California. Chris. Hello, Jim. Thanks yeah. for taking my call. I uh-huh. am a first-time caller. Okay. But my wife, Margo, and I are longtime viewers of your show. Thank you, Margo. Jim, I'm looking at Inovio, I-N-O. Yeah, we looked at Inovio. You know, I mean, this is, look, okay, you and Margaret have to listen and listen good. This is one of the, this is from Plymouth Meeting. It's from where I grew up. I grew up my bite there. And I got to tell you, I think that this is, we know it, as the most speculative of the stocks that we're going to talk about today. So if you can handle speculation, you can put one twentieth of your money into it. No more than that, Margaret's going to yell at you. Let's go to Carol, New York. Carol. Hey, Jim. Um, I have a small position in Adobe. 
Why? Why not a big position to do it? Shantanu and Orion, do something to you. I mean, that guy is unbelievable. He has money. That company's great. My daughter uses the product at uh, Parsons. Makes great dresses. Um, let's go to... It's a, that's a fashion thing. Let's go to Stephen in Maryland. Stephen. Jim, first time, long time. I just want to know, I'm a barstool guy, I know you are too, what should we be doing with Penn National Gaming? I have faith. This thing's going to end, and Portnoy is going to come out on top. He should have listened to me on the Nordic American Tanker, but no, no, no. I believe in Penn National, but it's not going to happen fast because of COVID. Let's go to Henry in California, please. Henry. Jimmy Jim. Booyah. Wow, I like the spirit that that has met. What do you got? Huh? A beautiful Dana Point. My question regards Provented Bio, PRBB. Yeah, oh, it's right next to Merck. Uh, well, too speculative for this guy. I'm sorry. Can we go to Garon in Tennessee? Garon. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about uh, Simon Property Group. Okay. All right, so David Simon has paid out. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? $33 billion in distributions. So before I say it's a REIT and I don't like it, I am going to not dishonor him like that. I'm going to say, David, you come on the show and you explain how you, above all, will get through this. Because if anyone's going to get through it other than my friend Don Wood, it will be David Simon. David, come on the show. And that, ladies and conclusion of the Lightning Round. TD Ameritrade. The banks finally managed to bounce today, but there are still so many unanswered questions here. The biggest one, what happens when borrowers start telling them they, they can't afford to pay their obligations? I think the $2 trillion stimulus package will help. But come April 1st, a lot of bills are about to go unpaid, and we need to get our heads around what that means for the financials. That's why tonight I'm so excited because we're going to go off the tape with a real banker, with SoFi, the privately held personalized online banking play that's been disrupting the whole industry. Coming into 2020, SoFi was on fire. They just launched a bunch of new products, including brokerage accounts, budgeting tools, even got the naming rights to the Rams' new stadium in L.A. Sooner sooner or later, it looked like they would come public. But we got to ask, does the pandemic change things? Let's check in with an old friend of the show, Anthony Noto, the bankable CEO of SoFi, to find out how he's navigating his way through the crisis and, more important, how his clients are navigating it. Mr. Noto, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. My pleasure to be back. Okay, so, Anthony, uh, you are um, the banker to the young people, and the young people are the future of this country. What do they think and what do you think? And I know you put out position papers. Now, what do you, are you telling them about the $2 trillion stimulus bill? Well, well, the first thing we're telling them, Jim, is that we're open for business. Uh, we're 100% on your mobile phone. And so as those are stuck at home or sheltering in place, we can help them do everything they need to do with their money from a personal standpoint. Uh, they can switch their direct deposit to our SoFi mobile app, SoFi Money. Um, they could transfer money into that app from other accounts. Uh, they can be, pay bills directly from the app. They can pay friends. We'll even send a check for them physically um, if they want us to by indicating that in the mobile app. Uh, in addition to that, they can uh, monitor all their transactions, no fees, and also uh, generate interest. Uh, in addition to that, we have all the loans to help them think about refinancing their lives, um, whether it's refinancing their mortgage, refinancing their student loan, taking out a bridge loan to get them from point A to B during this very tumultuous time period, um, we also have all that capability uh, via the phone. 
And then last, we have a lot of young generation um, members. Uh, we have over a million members that we serve, helping them borrow, save, spend, and invest. And we're amazed to see how much activity um, these young people are, are using the phone to invest for the first time. Yeah, what happens, really Anthony, if someone people. calls you and says, hey, you know what? I'm out of my job. Um, I haven't gotten paid in two weeks. Uh, I don't get the money for another three weeks. So therefore, I'm going to be in arrears. Uh, help me. What do you say to them? Yeah, we, Jim, we absolutely are helping those people, whether it's someone that needs to modify things as it relates to their student loan that they have with us or as it relates to their personal loan or otherwise. And we have specific programs to help them through those times. Uh, we're providing for those with student loans, suspending payments for 60 days with the option to extend that if they need to. Uh, for personal loans, we're providing a suspension of payments for 30 days and, again, an option to extend that if they need to. Um, we're also educating them on the government programs, which are really, um, uh, really strong and uh, I think an opportunity for them to get through this time period as well. And we're giving them points of view across the spectrum of opportunities they may have, including small businesses. We personally, um, or sorry, we as a company do not offer um, small, medium business loans directly. Um, but what we're doing is launching today the ability for people to click on a tab on SoFi and go to a marketplace for small, medium business loans. So whether we can help them directly or we can refer them to somebody, we're trying to do that in addition to giving them great advice through a lot of content that we're producing on our blog and on, on the mobile app as well. Okay, so and the last thing that we have, uh, the last thing that we have, Jim, is that we provide free certified financial planning advice so they can set up an appointment right in the app uh, to talk to someone to really navigate all these uncertainties. All right, did any of the, uh, did any of your clients step up to the plate? You know, we just had an unbelievable rally, a three-day rally. If you bought uh, say on Monday or, or into the big sell-off, you actually kind of did well. Are your clients buying or selling? We're actually seeing record levels of new account openings and net inflows. So they're really? buyers. We've we've been pretty surprised by the activity. Our assumption is that there's many there are many young people that have been sitting on rainy day funds and waiting for an opportunity to start investing. And so we're seeing a significant acceleration in the number of new accounts as well as net flows okay, in. Anthony, this we're is seeing- contrary. This is con- most people tell me. I mean, I know you and I agree with this. That the millennials, they're down. They, they don't have any money. They have a bad view of life. You are giving. You are telling me about an optimistic view of the country if they're buying stocks, putting money to work in the downturn. Very contrary to what America believes about this cohort. Jim, we, we were quite surprised, pleasantly surprised, quite frankly, that people are using the pullback as an opportunity to invest. And we're seeing record levels of account opens and record levels of net flows uh, into, the, into the marketplace. And people are actually buying the dips. They're buying the stocks that are the most severely hit in the cruise industry, recreational industry, and, and small pharma, just to name a few. Um, and so we're seeing a lot of trends that reflect uh, counterintuitive behavior. Um, as it relates to investing. And quite frankly, I, you know, if you're investing over the long term, this is an opportunity to add in a diversified way to do dollar cost averaging, um, but also to look at um, portfolios of collections. We're giving um, a point of view on our app to look at things that we call safe haven collections. These are curated collections of uh, ETFs that um, perform well during times of market turbulence and dividend stocks in, in addition to those uh, uh, things like safe haven collections. The other thing that we're seeing is behavior from consumers that reflects the advice that they're getting from our government and how to stay safe. We've seen a significant increase in SoFi money transactions in the grocery category and drug category and a significant decline in rideshare as well as hotel spending. 
And so people are reflecting the behaviors that the government is recommending they do to stay safe during this time and, and to um, provide social distancing. Well, it does um, seem like part- that, you're, that you're handling it better than what New York City did. My friends out there tell me that you have very few cases, that people really play by the rules. And when you play by the rules, you can beat this thing. Well, I, I think that, uh, the, you know, we're hitting an unprecedented challenge that no one is to blame for. And people, for the first time, have to restructure their entire financial lives. For the first time, they have no income, doctors, lawyers, dentists, you know, executives, salespeople that are highly commissioned are seeing their compensation cut in half or down to zero. And so they're reevaluating their entire financial foundation. We have the products to help them do that. And because we're on a mobile app, we're available 24-7. Our team has done an incredible job to be there for our members. And I can't thank them enough for the round the clock um, performance that they've put forth, adapting to the changing environment, providing self-service capabilities within 24 hours of recognizing that we have the needs. Coming up with really unique offerings. We know people are staying at home yeah. and they're watching video and they're listening to music. So we just uh, launched uh, yesterday. Uh, watching the, the, the show that you helped launch. Watching me at my <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's, I appreciate <laughs> that, Jim. But we just launched yesterday. If you pay with, uh, with SoFi Money for a subscription, whether it's Hulu, Disney+, Plus, Amazon Video, Netflix, or for a music subscription with Spotify or Pandora, we're giving you 20% back if you pay with SoFi Money for any of those subscriptions. But we're also giving you 20% back if you order from DoorDash um, with SoFi Money and have it delivered. So we're trying any way we can to provide some incremental value on the margin in this tough time, in addition to just giving people great content and great advice and access to not just our products, but also a certified well, financial planner. Fascinating time to be at SoFi. I knew that you would be delivering, as you always do, private company, everybody. But we know Anthony is a success at everything he's ever tried. And, of course, uh, let's not forget how good he was at West Point. The Jim, U.S. Thank military you, Academy. Thank you so much, Anthony Noto, CEO, you, CEO of SoFi. How about that? They're supposed to be doing everything wrong. The millennials, to me, it sounds like they're doing everything right. Man, money's back after the break. This is going to come out odd, but I blame the last 105 Dow, 500 Dow points. I mean, it was just a machine gun algorithm. Those are not to be trusted, and I wish that the machines would be turned off. I don't like it when it goes up too fast, and I don't like it when it goes down too fast. I like it when people can get in and make some money, and the machines should be turned off. It'll never happen because people make too much money from them, but that's what that last 500-point surge was, and that part is not to be trusted. Like I said, there's always one market summer. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Made Money. I'm Jim Cramer. I'll see you tomorrow. Our special Markets in Tomorrow, hosted by my buddy Scott Wapner. What a great specialist tonight. Starts right now. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.